Listen, out of all the movies we caught at Sundance, this was the one that had us up until 5 a.m. Let us explain. So what we do on Let Us Explain is dive deep on something that we can't stop thinking about for other people who can't stop thinking stop. about that thing too. That means we'll be talking about anything and everything, including sometimes spoilers. But before mm. we jump into the spoiler zone, we wanted to talk more generally about greener grass. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he doesn't have a dog, but he knows that's a dog. It's Arturo Zarita! Zach, I'm excited to be here to finally talk about a movie that we stayed up till 5 o'clock in the morning. Ranting? That conversation went from ranting, nah, y'all are mistaken, this is just an Adam Sandler type movie. Nah, it's <laughs> David Lynch mixed with Wes Anderson mixed with this, mixed with that. At 5 o'clock in the morning comes around, we had a screening that's about to start in three hours, and we go to bed, all going, is this the fifth best movie of all time. Like, I love how we gave it a score. <laughs> we knew where it was ranked of all time. This movie, uh, again, here on Intercut, we don't care about what's the best of the best. I mean, we do care about what's the best of the best. We don't care about numbers. What we care about right. is those movies we can't stop thinking about. Like Zach always says at the beginning, we cannot stop thinking about this movie. Uh, right off the bat, know that this there is a Vimeo short of this. It's available on VOD, but in case you're like, I don't know if I want to spend the you know, $4.99, $5.99. On Vimeo, you can catch the short film, Greener Grass, for free, about 12 minutes long. If you're like me, go watch that. And if in the first 10 seconds that makes you laugh, <laughs> Man, I purchased my Sundance tickets right then and there. Purchase the movie. After this conversation, if that's what you need, I, I think we'll convince you. I think it'll be worth it because this is... Take it away, Zach. Take it away. I know you got yeah, a lot to say. I mean, You've been... I mean, I I've watched Greener Grass three times since it came out on VOD, uh, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. You invited ago. me to a party. I'm like, homie, you're <laughs> in New York. I'm in Chicago. I, I can't make it. I, you know, I've been really, really eager to see this revisit yeah. this movie since we saw it at Sundance because this, it, that was way back in January. And it's such an interesting movie. You know, I think there is that surface level to the movie, but there's so much more to it. Yes, to, uh, so I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Greener Grass is the bizarre, hilarious and unsettling feature film debut of Jocelyn DeBoer and Don Luby, who mm -hmm. also co-star. A subversive depiction of a suburban community, Greener Grass is both a silly collection of comedic sketches and a deeply thoughtful examination of conformity, as well as the idea of perfect mothers and perfect families. Some might, some might find the movie's style to be too stupid. Others will see the film as a mind-blowing social satire. Mm -hmm. Art, how did you feel about Greener Grass? I've been a broken record with this. I keep saying that this thing right here is... A suburban soccer mom tale from the perspective of an alien coming down and literally going, yo, I, if you are not from the suburbs, you have no idea how weird you look from, to people who are not from the suburbs. Uh, we're going to get into stuff that's spoiler, stuff that's uh, just up to interpretation. You and I have been mm -hmm. having great discussions, uh, again, going back to our Sundance one. But I see it a lot uh, like the YouTube video. That, uh, what's the title? Because I always I feel like I mispronounce what the actual title of the video is. But yeah, it's like uh, English for non -ing how English sounds to non English speakers. Very intriguing video because it like it sounds like English, but you have no idea what they're saying, and it's like ah oh, damn, that's what English must sound. And it's like a surreal experience for you to see what the language that you're proficient in sounds to other people. Well, man, right? Like it, 
it's that whole idea of performing something but not actually yeah. inhabiting it. You know, th- this is a movie in which all the characters are performing this idea yes. of a perfect suburban community with uh, wonderful, nice families. Everybody's so polite and kind to one another, but that's not what they actually are. Yeah. A- and it's just, it's a really smart look at the ways in which uh, things become normal because normalcy isn't the same to everybody. Normal is what's normal to you and the people around you. Mm-hmm. Greener Grass is very interested in examining that idea of a bubble uh, and what it does to these people in this like hyper suburbia. You know, I, I've compared this movie uh, both to the films of John Waters and to Yorgos Lanthimos in that John Waters often does these suburban social satires. He makes fun of the way ways in which polite society uh, ha- has constructed itself, but there's also a deadpan to this movie that reminds me of Yorgos Lanthimos because Yorgos's films, stuff like The Lobster, uh, stuff like Dogtooth, basically what he does is his he has his characters or the actors rather strip all the emotion out of their yeah. words and it highlights the absurdity of some everyday interactions, the way exactly. the ways we communicate to each other, and yeah. I think this movie does a lot of that too. It's a lot of things that people think is like normal, but you don't realize that from an outside perspective, uh, if you were to describe that to somebody else, it would look as ridiculous as it does in this movie. From aspects of like a mother willing to give away her child to somebody else, that looks ridiculous. Imagine, it, like I said, an alien comes down and was to observe suburbanites for a week or however long this movie takes place. This is what they would go back and say. They'd be like, yo, they just give their kids away. What do you mean? In, in in the real world, it, it's like that. Some people do not look over their kids, and it's almost like somebody else is parenting them. Well, from an alien's perspective, it's like, yo, they just, I don't know, they treat their kid like it's a sports ball. They, 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 they're just competing with each other. It's the weirdest community, and it's not until you leave that bubble, like you said, that you start realizing... Oh, yeah. Everyone just conforms. Again, it's in the title. Greener Grass. A lot of people have mentioned this as like a David Lynch version of Stepford Wives. Um, yeah. An evil Wes Anderson film. I think it's a masterpiece. I know you and I both love it. We have so many interpretations when it comes to this. Or it could just be a funny comedy. You can see this as just being something ridiculous. Like I said, go watch the short if you can. But, yo, we have some interpretations to talk about with this thing. Right, right. There's that surface level where things are silly and and the ways they interact are just meant to be funny. Like they all sit around and eat sandwiches together at some point Mm -hmm. and everybody takes a bite of the sandwich and immediately kind of like throws it back up because it's disgusting. And that might just be a fun comedic bit, but it also could be a commentary on the politeness of this community. The way that they're they're too nice to say like, oh, I don't like this, you know, that they will take a bite of it and, and go along and keep the polite conversation yeah. going. So the, the ways in which it both works on that surface level and works if you mm-hmm. psychoanalyze it, it is the thing that's really, really fun about Greener Grass. 100%. Uh, one of the ones that we had talked about a lot before is the the perspective with the kids. Let's go because the, the, the pitch of the movie is soccer moms Jill and Lisa compete for approval and acceptance in a suburban in a bizarre suburbia. Right. And we had some interpretations when it came to the soccer ball and when it came to a dog. Kick it off. Right. So uh, there's a th- moment that happens in the movie. Should, are we going to dive into spoilers or are we keeping Or should this? we wait a bit? What else do we have to say before we get into the spoilers, I guess, to pitch to people this movie? I mean, look, you know, we are both big fans of this movie. It's very bizarre. I- I'd compare it in tone to uh, some of the stuff that you get on Adult Swim, the Cartoon Network mm. late night block, because mm-hmm. it's, that, uh, it's that irreverent... Uh, 
alternate style of comedy. Some of it's off-putting. Some of it's just uncomfortable. There's this weird tone that the movie has where it constantly feels like it it might divert into horror, but it never quite goes there. Uh, and I think it's really, really interesting and well done, but it's certainly something that's going to make some people feel uncomfortable. And I know some people won't respond to its rhythms or, or just be kind of mystified at uh, what it could all mean. We both found it fascinating, though. Oh, we loved it. Yeah, we 100% loved it. I think that if you're going in there for the humor, you'd, you'll, again, watch the short. <laughs> I feel like I keep saying that, but if that's your type of comedy, I think the entire running time, even though not all the jokes are going to hit for you, they have something within there every single time. And I, and I think that the it's very rare that you see a short become a feature and that they add to it. Mm-hmm. I think they expand right. on the original short tenfold uh some aspects that we'll get into as well but yeah like you said there is enough in there to dissect uh and i think Mm -hmm. it's already made it a cult classic i know it had a very small rollout not a really big push of a release Uh, i know it played it like the music box for us but it's available on vod and i think this is one that in a couple of years is definitely going to be in a lot of people's uh like cult classics list Mm -hmm. Uh, and hopefully it's one that gets like midnight runs yeah I hope this movie's reputation grows over time because it is such an interesting film. And uh, because it's on VOD, it's going to be accessible for a lot of people. You know, you can stop this review and go watch it right now if you want Mm -hmm. to. I do wish it was in more theaters, though, because I love to see that in a in a group of people in a room full of people laughing and and reacting because it is such a, a visceral movie. I think you really feel a lot of the things that happen in it uh, from from its more uncomfortable bits to its funnier stuff. I, I will mention, because you mentioned the short film, there's also mm-hmm. another short film that Dawn and Jocelyn did together yes. called The Arrival, uh, which we like a lot. And I've been showing to people as a means of sort of giving them a taste of what they're yes. going to get into before they watch Greener Grass. That way, Greener Grass is still kind of completely fresh and you don't get anything spoiled for you, but you get an idea for their style because there's a them- thematic a through line through all of their stuff, the way that they uh, look at the roles that mothers and women play in society mm-hmm. and, and uh, just the idea of a family and, and uh, how we, the, the way we prop up certain ideas as ideal. There is a movie that was at TIFF called Beneath the Blue Suburban Skies. That is this movie. Right. <laughs> Just done from a completely different perspective and genre. So like you brought with The Arrival. That's a movie of a boy figuring out that he's about to have a sibling. And he doesn't like that. But from the kid's perspective, that doesn't seem like Toy Story 2. It seems like an actual omen is about to come over and this parasite's right. going to take over. Then when you flip it from the perspective of the mother who doesn't see the kid's perspective but now feels replaced when another mother may be coming into the picture. They do a great job, like you said. I I compared it a lot to the shorts of Ari Aster, another person who I would say, show him those shorts before you hit him with Hereditary and Midsommar, you know? It's like, uh, he comes from that perspective of, I think he's a comedian, but he does horror movies instead, and he hides the comedy in there. They're Mm -hmm. doing these straight-up comedies that honestly, on, 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 on on, on a level is a horror movie. There's some scary stuff. You you mentioned the conformity of it, of not realizing that you are literally a, a part of this machine and you cannot mm-hmm. go out of bounds because this entire collective is really creepy at times. It could have easily been, a, a, a again, a David Lynch type of horror film. Yeah, uh, it feels like off. two or three steps removed from uh, yes. Stepford Wives. So again, highly recommend checking out the shorts. Even the Ari Aster shorts, be careful with his though. Uh, (laughs) Be careful with his. Uh, I recommend Munchausen from him as well as Arrival from them. They do a great way of approaching these stories from a different perspective. 
Okay, so we're going to open this grass. thing up to greener grass spoilers. Yes. If you can't handle the truth or you haven't seen this movie, now is your chance to go and watch a spoiler-free edition of the Intercut Podcast. For those of you sticking with us, I want to get into some analysis of the different parts of this movie because something that I love about greener grass, which I've been mentioning, is how it works on that surface level and on that deeper level. So, for example, Lisa, at one point in the movie, puts a soccer ball under her dress and everyone believes she's pregnant. And that's a version of a dumb joke that we all did yeah. when we were like, seven years old right mm -hmm. you, you put the ball and it's like oh look at my boys belly. do it girls but, do it yeah yeah but she carries around twilson her soccer ball baby as they call it like a normal child for the rest of the movie they even Bruh. pose for it in a family portrait which you can see in the trailer which by the way i don't recommend watching the trailer it's got some spoilers in it uh, because Twilson, the soccer ball, it's not just a prop for the movie. It's a prop in her life. It's a yeah. prop to make her look like a, a perfect mom mm -hmm. who, who's raising three kids. Mm -hmm. And she's so happy in this portrait with bouncing Wilson on her, uh, Twilson on her lap. You know, it, it's not just a, a prop for her. It, it, it's not just a prop for us. It's a prop for this world. Her. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I want to get into the Twilson stuff because if you remember that the volleyball is actually credited in the credits as T. Hanks, Tom, the same volleyball. Tom Hanks' baby. <laughs> from uh, from Castaway. It's supposed to be like yeah. if he had an IMDb page, these were the two movies he was in. Um, I love that perspective of it. I, I saw that, again, going off of the treating it like a prop. But from the perspective of Friday Night Lights, a show you and I both love in where, you know, it's usually dads who live vicariously through their kid when it comes to sports. I couldn't be the mm -hmm. quarterback, so you will be. Well, here, you totally. know, was the description. Soccer moms, Joe and Lisa compete for approval and acceptance. Well, what's one of the things that you need to be in order to be a soccer mom? You need a soccer kid. Literally treats the kid like it's just a soccer ball. That's her prop. It, it's, it's the best possible, not the best possible, but that's how she literally treats her child in order to be able to fit in and something else that we see with another mom where her kid is not the best example when it comes to baseball or soccer. And it isn't until something happens, which I know was something you found hilarious. Yes. Uh, with so that uh, the other main mom in the movie, Jill, uh, has this, a son, Julian. Uh, Julian was, by the way, in The Haunting of Hill House. That's the fun little. Yeah. Also uh, named Julian. The actor's name is Julian as well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, J Julian is kind of like. A little bit meek, uh, a little bit weak as a child. You know, mm -hmm. he gets knocked over easily in soccer. He wets himself. He, he's not quite the perfect image of a child that uh, a mother might want. Uh, and, you know, she spends a lot of the beginning of the movie trying to get him to be better or do things better. Yeah. The father the also is trying to play sports with him and he's bad at sports and he, he gets mad. He says, you know, why are we even pay paying for baseball? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and Julian then turns into a dog. A dog. Enrolled That's a weird, in school. That's going to be a everything. very weird sentence to anybody who might not have seen this movie yet. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and the thing is that as a dog, Julian's able to do a lot of the things his parents baseball. want. He, he uh, you know, is a great, you know, he's like got this ideal face. Nick, the father, is able to play ball with him with until him. he gets tired, you know? He's yep. finally good at chasing the ball down. Uh, he he turns into a version of what they want because what they do... In many ways, what they want is not a child, but just a dog they can order around. You know, there's literally yes. a scene before Julian changes into a dog where uh, Jill takes him into the bathroom and, like, commands him to pee. Says, you have to go to the bathroom. I know you have to go to the yeah. bathroom. Sit. The way like that you take a dog outside to get them to pee. 
they can't say some of this stuff ain't on purpose, you know? I dude, yeah. yeah it's I too agree smart 100%. to be stupid. Uh-huh. And again, one of the early ones that we said, one of the stuff that happens in the beginning and can also be found in the uh short is when she's like, Wow, I really like your baby. And she goes, Do do you want it? Wow. How many like I, I grew up with a lot of kids who's like their parents weren't parenting them. They were getting their parenting from somebody else in a sense. Mm-hmm. That's how I took that perspective. Right. It's almost like you're allowing somebody else to parent your child and you're not doing anything about it. Uh, and yeah, they change their kids to be what yeah. they want them to be. Be it the soccer ball, be it the dog, a pet that they can command around. Uh, yeah. The other I, thing I, that that's really funny with the with the giving away of the child is the way in which. Uh, people get mad at Jill for it, but not because she gave away the child, but one woman gets mad because you didn't ask me. And uh, her husband gets mad because like, could you just consult me first? You know, yeah. th- it's that that thing. It's they just they just want to be polite. They don't want to seem mean. Oh. They don't want to seem like dickish. But the, the the intersection scene when everybody that was in the trailer that I was paying before we had hopped on. Everyone's yes. at the intersection and nobody. Oh, I hate doing the first because I will always go first. I'd be like, All yeah, right, four I, cars come to the uh, stop will, and it's like, well, who's going to go first? And nah, I'm because blowing everybody sign. is everybody is trying so hard to, to, be nice, to be nice. No one goes. And no one goes, and there's a certain perspective again where it's like, oh, that could be a funny bit because it's like, ah, we've all been in that scenario. But then take it one step further, and in a character, and I want to say it's Jill's, who says, uh, no, 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 you go first. No, no, you. I'm never first. Where it starts yes. adding to that perspective of the conformity that they're all going through, and always having to have like dinner at a certain time or compete with somebody else. Again, they're trying so hard to be these soccer moms and to be the best version of a soccer mom that uh, one of them ends up trying to escape and realizes it's almost like a Truman Show type thing. She, this mm-hmm. bubble that they're living in, and they don't realize that it's so separated from uh, everything else. Once one of them, le- well, we're in spoilers, right? Yeah, we are firmly okay. in the spoiler zone. So uh, th- there is a moment later in the movie where uh, Jill basically is forced out of this this suburban community she's mm-hmm. in and uh, goes out on the road. And, you know, it, that we're in this weird community where everybody drives golf carts and then she almost runs into a truck. That's like your yes. first sign that she's outside, outside of that bubble. Li- yeah. Uh, and then she pulls up to this home and speaks to this uh, this woman who... It completely different. No braces, no nothing. Which yeah, again, all of braces, the adults yeah. doesn't have that kind of like soft, kind affect to her voice when she's speaking, and, and also just like doesn't have time for Jill's shit. Yes, uh, because yeah, it's so it's so it's really interesting because it really cements that idea that she's living in a bubble. It's not that everybody in this world acts like her. It's mm. everybody in her community acts like her because. Suburbia sort of imposes this kind of conformity on people. Uh-huh. And a lot of people can watch this movie and be like, oh, that's stupid. Who? And you don't realize unless you leave your own bubble that you're, you don't know you're in a bubble till someone tells you or you leave the bubble. That's the scariest part about it. And nobody mm-hmm. second questions anything. I mean, there's uh, sequences that you had said, not just with the intersection scene or even with like giving away a child, but stuff like the lattes. Mm, does my, tasse, my latte taste different? Yeah, so does mine. None of y'all even bother to think that you have each other's lattes. You know, there's a joke that comes from Nate Brigitte. Uh, He's got an incredible Netflix special where he says, I will go to a Starbucks. And if you get my order wrong, I will not even complain with you. I will just go to another Starbucks. (laughs) And that's what they do here. It isn't until she leaves Mm -hmm. those confines that she realizes that everything's different. Uh, I want to, which one you can take so much from that. I'm sure we know many people and I'm sure we'll never say that it's us who is in a bubble, but just that perspective is so interesting. I want to get a little behind the scenes when you were mentioning the golf carts, because they have a hilarious story uh, that they mentioned in the Q and a that they were filming in Georgia. Yeah. And uh, they had a damn emporium of golf carts. They had like some thousand golf carts in the 
the world capital, capital. of golf carts. Like who this even town knows that has a bunch of stuff, golf cart right? roads? Yeah. And- uh, imagine going sh- pulling up to Atlanta, and that's like one of the things you take from the visitor center. It's like, ah, who would have known? And they like struck a deal or something to be able to use all those golf carts. They said, would you be able to use these? He said, trust us, we will find a way. In the short, they had regular cars, but I think the perspective, the aesthetic of just having everyone use golf carts, and then the way it, it, it plays into the story as a way, as a means of being able to break out of that suburbia when you see a truck, is so effective. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, it's just it's just so comedic. I think it works beautifully having all the adults wear braces. You had mentioned that uh, in one of the Q&As, they said the purpose for that was. Yeah, uh, they mentioned that everybody in the movie wanted to look young. And it's this this fetishization of like looking young and looking beautiful and being presentable and perfect and uh, the ideal image of a suburban family. Yeah. uh, Which uh, which plays into that uh, idea of the little Helen character. Little Helen, explain. Because you've seen it three times more than I have recently. Yeah, so uh, Little Helen is uh, this this stalker character who kind of appears oh, throughout the movie. Lizzie Mc- and, the Lizzie McGuire coach. All right, let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, that one because... The, the first time we see Dot Marie Jones, the woman who plays Hel- uh, Little Helen, mm-hmm. is she's substitute teaching a yoga class. And unlike everybody else in the neighborhood who is like perfectly coiffed and has on all their makeup and has their hair done, she shows up with very wet hair. She shows up kind of looking unkempt yeah. and sh- her her voice cracks because she's not sure what to say she feels different than the rest of the people in this community yes. uh then and again we're so far into spoilers uh she she breaks into Jill's house when Jill is not there so Jill arrives home to see uh Helen there wearing her clothes cooking her food saying lines that she's been saying throughout the movie uh, and, and if I can like get a little pretentious in this moment here, I think the idea of it is like just as the clothes don't fit on little Helen, little Helen doesn't fit into this world's world. idea of femininity, right? Like yep. she she's trying to cook food the way that a mother does. She's saying all the things that Jill did, but uh-huh. she she's not using it right. Uh, she she says, "I'm trying to get dinner on the table," and Jill says, "But eggs are for breakfast," because because she yeah. doesn't know. <laughs> Uh, she she's trying to do what is expected of women, but she's failing at it. And and uh-huh. I think that's the purpose of that little Helen character is to kind you know, I don't want to necessarily sound like crude or mean, but you know they cast Dot Marie Jones for a reason, not necessarily an actress who is thought of as as more elegant or or whatever. Uh-huh. And they also don't they made her out to be kind of yeah, odd the, looking the and way not they pretty. film her. Uh-huh, it's from a voyeuristic standpoint for a lot of the beginning of the movie where she's just <sighs> heavy breathing, trying exactly. to see them. They treat her like a villain because she's not this model of what the woman is supposed to be in this exactly. little town. Her, her struggle to fit into or, or present as this idea of what we want women to present as, I think, pushes little Helen to this point where she uh, invades these women's homes and yes. tries to basically take over their lives. Yeah. I think, you know, it's it seems like this crazy, weird moment, but it, to well, me, parasite. it was one of the yeah. deeper <laughs> ideas in the movie. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I remember just sitting here going like, yo, what is the coach from Lizzie McGuire? Because that's usually what she gets cast in as coaches. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I completely, too, right? Yeah, I comp- man, there's some so many other things I can see when I go back to this. I want to go back to the kid part. We were talking about how a mom, uh, in order to be the best soccer mom, will literally turn her kid into a soccer, in her mind. The dog, <laughs> however you want to see it, right? 
there was another perspective when it comes to the parenting side of things that I want to talk about. One of your favorite bits, which was the commercials. In particular, uh, it wasn't even an ad. It was a show. One of the shows that one of the kid has uh, called Kids with Knives, where the entire point of the show is just kids with knives showing yeah, the influence uh, of what media, this might be yeah. my favorite joke in the whole movie uh in that at one point bob one of the kids is sitting and watching a, a show kids with knives literally That's just it's called. kids That's holding it. knives and looking uh-huh. at the camera and uh up until that point he's like a sweet kid he's a nice child but then the media uh, man uh, immediately after he watches just like a minute of this program, he turns into this like demonic asshole kid is this misbehaving Ew. mean child. And it to me, you know, it's obviously it's a commentary on the way that media corrupts kids or how we blame violent video games for for turning kids bad. You know, it it's this idea that oh, just a little bit of exposure to this violence, and he's and then boom, he's addicted. Not yeah. the same person. Kids with knives made him do it. Like all that's all he yeah. needed. And all of a sudden, he's obsessed with literal sharp objects. Um, <laughs> what are the what are some other sequences? Be it comedic bits that stood out to you. Well, so one thing that I've been trying to parse over, and, and I don't know if I have necessarily the right interpretation of it, is the haircut scene. Uh, there's a really crazy image. I, I, for me, it's one of the most uh, things that sticks with you the most. When Jill goes to get a haircut and uh, when the the when the barber, what's the what's the woman? Salonist? What's the, the, the when the hairdresser when the hairdresser goes and cuts her hair? Yes, she bleeds from the hair. See, uh, I, and I'm put the guy. I should have said this earlier on. When I watch some movies, uh, there's a faith you want to have in the filmmakers, right? That's the only thing that can really get you invested in this world. Is you see something and you're like, I don't know what that means, but you want to know that at least one person knows what it means. In this case, two people right. knows what it means. The filmmakers. I go into movies like Enemy. Not I can't decipher all of it, but when I hear that he had people sign, a uh, boy Denny had people sign things, contracts to not spoil what the spiders are. I know he knows what it is, and it makes me love that right. movie because I have my interpretation of it. I have. I don't get it, but I know they do. At least I want to say they Absolutely. do. And that makes me want to – I feel rewarded when you – and I'm sure that's why you've seen it three times. When you continue to watch this because you know that they they got one. They have something on it. Yeah. And the, these, these women are hilarious. Yeah, the little, I hear the your little Helen thing was – sorry? I want to hear your interpretation of that because then I want to get into our favorite yeah. story of these two ladies in real life. Right. So, yeah, the little Helen thing was something for me that I, I didn't quite get on my first watch through. But in in revisiting the movie, I've been able to kind of uh, come up with that idea. And I think that holds true to what the movie is about. Uh, as for the haircut, like, I don't know if I'm necessarily satisfied with my opinion on it. Uh, I think it's just this idea of the value we put into our looks and how for a lot of people it's like, Oh, am, am I going to cut my hair? Like, should I do that? It's a, it's uh-huh. it's such a big decision. You know, Beauty for is some, pain. like the idea that Beauty to change your look is so is so drastic. It's almost like slicing into your skin. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. it's so her hair is such a part of her identity that cutting it causes her to bleed. But I, you know, I'm sure there's more more interesting ideas out there. Uh, another thing was the, the graves that the movie ends on how, uh, yo, after you she haven't comes, told me about this. Yeah. Uh, so she leaves the community and she comes back to the soccer game. This is where the movie ends. And it ends on this note where, 
uh, Jill realizes that the kids are all playing on graves that's on the soccer field. Uh, this is something that they refused to give an answer to at the Sundance Q&A. Somebody asked them. Uh, you know, That's obviously they didn't want to fine. spoil the ending of their movie uh-huh. at their like third screening or whatever it was. Yeah. And I don't know if I have the right opinion, but uh, to me, it, it's the idea of you can't see what's right in front of you until you leave your bubble. You you don't really know uh, what something, something for the truth of it until you have something to compare it to, right? And... Only Jill finds it weird that they've been playing on graves this whole time because she's now had a chance to leave and come back. Interesting. Okay, so it's more of the character's perspective of being yeah. able to see how her viewpoint has changed. Okay, mm-hmm. I can I can buy that. Why is I'm it graves curious, yeah. and not like trash cans? I don't know. Yeah. But, is there going to uh, be a DVD release to this? I haven't been able to sit down to see all of their other interviews and stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm very curious to hear behind the scenes a making of like yeah. I mean, it's a very beautiful like I know we've been talking about the story and stuff, but I don't like to uh, we said the golf cart story, the production design, the costume design, the yeah. way that it's shot. It's All the very, couples are wearing like nice matching aesthetic. outfits. Yeah. It's, it's really, really funny. All and the really adults well with the braces and stuff. And I was like, I'm very there's also that interesting thing about how uh, I think it's. I think it's uh, Lisa starts out wearing blue and ends up wearing pink. She ends up wearing uh, the same outfit that Jill was wearing in the beginning of the movie. She's living in Jill's house. She has Jill's baby. She's slowly assuming control of Jill's life. What is it with these movies this year about just some people taking over some other people's houses that we like, (laughs) other people's lives that that we're falling in love with? Dude, uh, I'd be very curious to hear from anybody who's had a chance to watch the movie what their interpretations interpretations are of some of these things and others. So leave it in the comments below. If you're a soccer mom. If you're a soccer mom and you watch Intercut, please let us yeah. know your perspective of please. this uh, grand opus for you. But I want to get a little story. And if you've listened to Intercut, you already know the story. But in case this is the first time you're because this is our official Greener Grass video, the librarian story. <laughs> if you want to bounce back please. and forth with it. Uh, when we had seen it, and we had seen it at the same screening at Sundance, I want to say. So we knew yes. what they looked like. I mean, they, they have a very specific profile. Uh, Jocelyn is the, the brunette. Dawn is the blonde, if I'm not mistaken, correct? And she's way taller. They have a very specific look, and 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 they were uh, wearing. No, the no, sorry, Dawn. Uh, yeah, Dawn is the blonde. Okay, and uh, we saw what they were wearing and everything. It was like, oh, cool, that's done. We love the movie, stayed for the Q and A, all that stuff. Our two boys, yeah. Chase and Ryan, end up going to another screening, and they see the blonde there, you know, and and they, uh, Dawn. Sorry, and Dawn's there, and she's there with her producer, and they're waiting for another screening, and they go up to her, and they go, yo, I just want to let you know, we just caught your movie, and it was great, and she goes, what movie, I'm, I'm just, I'm just here to watch movies, they're like, no, your movie, Greener Grass, she's like, Greener, should I check that one out, is it good, she searches herself up on the phone, Dawn, whatever, and goes, wow, I guess I really do look like her, and they go, oh, I apologize, they fell for it, they go, oh, I, I'm so sorry, and and she's like, "What? I, oh no, no! I'm just a librarian. I'm just here. a librarian here. I. But if you say that movie's good, I'll add it to my radar. They buy it. Go. They watch the movie. It isn't until later on that they end up going to a, another Q and A, another kind of like group thing. Not only like is she there again, producers Q and A. Yeah. Thing. Not only is she there again, but so is her producer partner, who's hosting one of the panels. Uh, Granted, they are so good at keeping up. Again, they fell for it. This is the same night where we literally just saw the movie with them. So we know what she looks like because we spent 90 minutes staring yeah. at her on a big screen. 
but she was still wearing the same thing from the Q&A she had just spoken to and was able to convince her <laughs> friends, now nah, that's not me, I'm a librarian here. They have taken their comedy to a whole nother level. They, to this day, refuse to say that that was even them because when they met up with them later, they're like, nah, we never did that because I think uh, we, our Florida Fernando boys, asked them, right? Asked them and they said, no, nah, I don't know what that is. Also, I'm a librarian. You're like, no, yeah, I'm at your Q&A right now. This. You're not going to buy me. Can you imagine going up to her after the Q&A and she still doesn't, yeah. They still don't take the credit We need, for we it. need to get Dawn on the podcast to Dude, put it. Put I'm very curious. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear just more of their perspective of the, just the making of the movie, how they took yeah. it from the short, uh, what they expanded on. I'm always curious to hear what were things that weren't able to make it to the short, but were able to go into the feature or stuff that they totally. wanted to add to it. Uh, no, I, one of my favorites of the year, one of my favorites of yeah. all time to just talk about. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to it, but. I no, really I mean, hope more like, people look, catch there's it. There's so much that's interesting about this movie. I'm sure we're forgetting some details, but yeah. I'd be happy to discuss them with anybody. So uh, if you've got a chance to see the movie, please like reach out to us, intercutpod at gmail.com or at intercutpod on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, would love to hear your theories. You've heard a lot of mine. Uh, you've heard Art's. Uh, it's, it's a really cool movie. Uh, it's definitely one of the movies that I've thought the most about this year and the movie Sick. I've seen the most this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Really excited to have more people catch up with Greener Grass. I agree. I concur. Yeah. So uh, that's all for this edition of Let Us Explain on Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich, or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show art. Where can people catch more from you? You can find me at the 80Z show on the 80Z show, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also find me on all the Let Me Explain links as well from Letterboxd or the YouTube channel. Or you can find me here every week on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Intercut Pod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday, as well as these Let Us Explains. We drop mm -hmm. them sporadically, sporadically, periodically, whatever uh, Lee word you want to use there. Please yeah. leave us a comment, like the video, considering heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star review, and like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the people that we feature on the Intercut program. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, you can play with Julian at recess.